as boys lines. As bold as lion. As bold as lions. As bold as lions. You're listening to the As Bold as Lions podcast. Welcome. So good to have you once again. Join me for an episode of the As Bold as Lions podcast. This is episode number 70. And uh, try to sometimes note when I'm on one of those round numbers that uh, seems like, um, I don't know, a minor accomplishment maybe. Oh, at 50, that was pretty cool. Um, the next big one, I guess, will be 100 unless we... Uh, make it make a moment to note number 75 i don't know the uh the people that host this podcast uh, on their sites tell you like hey you just passed another milestone of some sort and i was just noticing that this is number 70 so i thought i would just throw that out there um if i was really coordinating things i would have done psalm 70 for episode 70 today i wasn't even thinking about that but it, it may not have lined up to to be the the right one. So um, anyway, the, uh, uh, the the series we're in is Summer of Psalms, and hope you've been able to join uh, in with the discussion from last week. We looked at Psalm 34. Uh, this time is Psalm 63. Last year we did about four or five of these as well. I think it was five, and uh, those were some. Um, some other ones that I just kind of randomly picked, uh, not so much randomly, I guess they, some that I've, I've resonated with, um, like Psalm 23, which is a very common Psalm, Psalm 91, um, Psalm 19, I think was in there. I, I picked a lot of the ones that I kind of knew fairly well last year. So this year going in, it was kind of look a little bit more at, certain things that just stick out and, and maybe perhaps where the Lord wanted to, to lead these each week. So hopefully just resting on, on his uh, direction and guidance and the Holy spirit. And so I hope they are um, just encouraging words for you above and above and beyond anything else as you, as you take them in from week to week. Um, again, Psalms 34, you can go back and listen to that if you've missed it. Um, these are great to just have with you on a car ride, or maybe you're in a place where you can just kind of um, put your headphones in and and just soak in some sun somewhere, maybe a beach or on your back patio. I don't know. Just I'm I'm getting all the the feels of summer when I um, imagine people listening to this and and talking about this, and and maybe it's in the doldrums of winter when you're listening to this and um, just makes you jealous for summer. I don't know. I don't want to do that to you, but uh, all that to say, you need to get down to business a little bit here. Last time was kind of this, uh, a song that just felt to me like it could be easily turned into an old gospel hymn of some sort, where it's just saying, look what the Lord has done for me. Save me, bought me. He's going to do this for you as well. If you trust him, just kind of one of those, those songs. 
Um, and if you're a bit confused, go back and listen to that and it'll make more sense. But this Psalm, um, you know, talk about some of the overlap that we see in this whole book as we look at themes from various passages. We do start to see some themes that, that recur. Um, perhaps things are just packaged a little differently or they use some, some language that expresses it in a, a similar but, but different fashion. We have to realize and remember that the Psalms are, are poetry. They're, they're called poetic books. Um, you think about the, um, just poems that are written about love. Um, maybe poems you had to read in high school or college or whatever, but, you know, a man who loves a woman, perhaps romantically. Um, there's, there's only so many ways that, that love can kind of be stated in its, its purest form. But there are many ways that love can can be compared to something, and through perhaps appealing to the senses, we we can understand what that love means to this particular writer as we kind of get inside their head and they're comparing how they feel about someone um, through um, different types of writing, you know, types of themes and, and metaphors and all those things that they kind of incorporate. You know, that's just one example, but. The, the Psalms do this beautifully. They express these, these ideas in new and fresh ways. And being there's 150 of them, our study of them just can, just really never runs out. We, we can always go back and, and learn more as we dive back in. Case in point, today's Psalm, Psalm 63, is titled this, um, His Love is Better Than Life. You go in to Google or your search browser and you, you research Psalm 63, this idea of love being better than life, that comes up fairly often. You see that kind of just attached to this psalm. And you've heard that probably in church or in a sermon or a song or, or something before. And so and we ask the question, well, what does that mean? And I'm just teasing that out there because we're, we're going to talk about that. What does this, his love is better than life expression mean? Um, but here David is, he's once again the author. The subtitle of the psalm states, A Psalm of David, where when he was in the wilderness of Judah. So context-wise, we're looking at him probably in this period where he's in the wilderness. He's being hunted by Saul. Remember, Saul was very jealous of David. He he knew um, that the people loved David. There was all this stuff that happened right after David killed Goliath, and and Saul sees David's stock kind of rising and going up, and and of course he kind of comparatively knows that it uh, doesn't look good for him, and and Saul has made a lot of foolish mistakes. Um, besides the fact that he's pursuing David's life. But it's a time if we put ourselves in David's shoes or sandals, um, it, it, it probably was a, a period where he could have easily walked away from God. He could have doubted God, just simply abandoned God in this whole mess. But we don't get any hint of that in Psalm 63. If this is when he's writing this, if this is what's going on in his life as he's penning these these words. We're not getting any hint where he's about ready to just flee and, and walk away from the Lord. In fact, his attitude is is really the opposite here. 
So let's dive in. Let's read this psalm. And uh, it's, it's fairly short, shorter than last time. And then we will discuss. Psalm 63, verse 1. O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water, so I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you, your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exult, for the mouths of liars will be stopped. So we're just looking at some main themes here and um, things that just kind of uh, come to the surface as we read through these these lines. Just 11 verses, um, fairly short. Um, and these are just some things that I pull out uh, topically from this psalm that you could you could divvy it up and go uh, probably a hundred different directions with this, but these are some things that I see and um, just some applications as we look at this. First of all, seeking the Lord must be a priority. This is David's, um, where he starts here. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. There's this just longing in his, in his life for the Lord, for his presence, um, making that a priority. The, the, the first part of his, his day as he goes about, um, Seek, uh, starting the day and uh, getting that from some of these other translations where, you know, in the King James, it says, early will I seek thee in the New American Standard. It says, I shall be watching for you. And as I just read the the, um, the English Standard Version, the ESV is earnestly, I seek you. And the point is, is that there's this desire to meet with the Lord. It's, it's a priority. In, in saying it's early, as we talk about in the King James, early I seek thee, I take that to mean it's it's the first thing in, in his day. And that might just be a good reminder to us that uh, not always knowing the best time to meet with the Lord, to, to do our devotional, to do our quiet time, our Bible study, maybe it should just come first because that kind of sets the tone for our day. Um, I know for me, that's that's huge. And he's also, as we talked about, he's in the desert. So his next few lines here, they, they make sense in terms of where he is at. Um, he's, he's talking about, my flesh faints for you, I am thirsty for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. He's, he's probably looking around, seeing the desert that he's in, uh, this wilderness of Judah, which which would have been mostly just desert, probably as we think of um, uh, in a typical fashion. 
and he, you can, you can, as we talked about, as a person tries to frame how they, they love somebody and using these types of uh, phrases and terminology while he's talking about how he desires the Lord and he thirsts for him as, as somebody is in a desert, just waiting for longing for water. That's, that's the level uh, of intensity that David has for, for just desiring the Lord and wanting to be in his presence. He has looked upon the Lord in the sanctuary, seen the power and glory of the Lord. And he's drawn to the Lord drawn back to that place where he has seen the Lord in all of his might. He's um, finishing up verse two, just, I've seen your power, I've seen your glory. And um, just that desire to, to be there again and to see that. So this first point he makes here, just seeking the Lord must be a priority. It must be our priority as well. Secondly, as he set up this desire for the Lord to be first, he now praises the Lord for all of the benefits he experiences. Second point, the Lord sustains us. He is worthy of praise. Some overlap here as we looked last time at Psalm 34, um, the reason for our praise, the, the things that we look at for why we're then drawn to praise the Lord. But this next section here, uh, beginning with verse 3, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So what does this mean? Your love is better than life. What's the idea there? What What's behind that phrase? David's love of God to him was was more valuable, and, and he put more concern in that than his own life. He regarded it better than life itself, the love of the Lord and, and the knowledge that he was loved by God. I was researching this a little bit to try to to kind of wrap my my head around it because I've I've heard this phrase but didn't quite understand why what the significance of it was. And maybe I've just missed it in sermons I've been in or uh listened to or um studies on this because it, it sounds really deep and it sounds really amazing just to say your love is better than life. And I, I guess a person can just take that at face value and, and, uh, and kind of accept it. But I wanted to dig a little bit more. And I found this quote by, um, by Charles Spurgeon, which I think is pretty, um, pretty applicable here and, and makes, helps this kind of make a little bit more sense to me. He says to dwell with God is better than life at its best, life at ease in a palace, in health, in honor, in wealth, in pleasure. Yea, a thousand lives are not equal to the eternal life which abides in Jehovah's smile. A thousand lives are not equal to the eternal life which abides in Jehovah's smile. Perhaps David has experienced a love a level of God's love that most of us do not know. And I guess in, in that, I, I say, do we value our own lives above that of God's love? Do we desire God's love and his blessing upon us, but not to the extent that we have less regard for our lives and more for him? I do not think what David is talking about and experiencing is not attainable for for the rest of us because 
I believe it is. And I think David got to some of these points in his life as, uh, as the context of this Psalm where he's writing, where he's just his depth of, of closeness and desire for the Lord and kind of just abandoning everything else is to the point where it's just all God and nothing else. And can we get to that same point where it's, it's just about Jesus. Like your love is better than life itself. I, I regard my life as nothing in comparison to who you are and your love and your goodness. We talked about some of that goodness last time and tasting of it and seeing that the Lord is good and actually experiencing that. Just moving on, um, you know, David here, he responds in worship. Um, verse four, he lifts his hands. I bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. Kind of that posture of worship. He compares knowing God in this way as, as being satisfied. His soul is, is filled as our bodies are filled and nourished. Um, as he talks about, my soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. Now he's talking my language here. Um, you know, maybe he's in the desert just uh, desiring, thinking about, uh, his thirst, thinking about just a great, um, good old fashioned home cooked meal. And he's just like, I can, I can picture it. Uh, I can almost taste it. And to me, when I am in that place, that, that physical hunger being met by that, that food, whatever it is, that, that is what you do to my soul, Lord, being in your presence, just that, just filled, uh, to the, the point where I'm just like, oh, this is the best. That's, uh, that's what I picture uh, David saying here and responding in worship again. He desires the presence of the Lord. You, you have helped me. You've watched over me. And in response, I cling to you. Um, want us to see that there's just some deep longing here. Um, there's a deep connection to the Father, and there's a longing for His presence above anything else. And I think just to have that question in our minds as we read through this, is, do I have that connection? Do I have that attitude in my heart? Are there times in my life where I've been in that place? Where am I at in regards to that now? Is it still that same desire? Being in God's Word, do I have that desire to be filled uh, again and again, going back to his word, being in his presence and praying and just spending time simply in his presence, maybe not saying a whole lot at, at all, but just um, just coming before him in praise and in worship. So the first point being uh, seeking the Lord must be a priority. David talking about earnestly, I seek you. It's, the, it's what he kind of puts in front of him each day. Um, and then just going into that, just a response of praise. The Lord is a sustainer. Um, he, he provides what we need. And third point here, it kind of takes a little bit of a turn at the very end to saying punishment awaits those who seek to harm the righteous. Punishment awaits, awaits those who seek to harm the righteous. Um, as he's ending here talking about his own experience in the Lord, he takes a moment to address those who are against him, against David, and um, you could say ultimately against against God. 
And certainly this, this is a theme that, that he goes to and returns to a lot through the Psalms. We can see that all over. Um, the enemy, those who seek to destroy me. Um, David is always drawing some, some words against them. And uh, a lot of the time, just knowing that the Lord is, is the vindicator, uh, even appealing to the Lord saying, God, will you, will you answer on my behalf? Will you move on my behalf against those um, evildoers, things like that? So who specifically could he be talking about here? Well, in context, again, it could be Saul and his men. It could be the, the, the armies of Saul kind of trying to come against him. It could be the other enemies that he may encounter in the wilderness, those who, um, other tribes, non-Israeli folks that they're uh, just constantly battling with. And it could be simply the enemy of his soul. It could be, Satan himself, the devil that he's he's talking about, could be any of those. Most notably, I I do think he's addressing those who physically want to harm him, want to malign him. They're 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 after his life. They're uh, in the case of Saul, they're probably saying some pretty nasty things about him and trying to rally a bunch of people against him, and he's he's tired of that. You know, I'm sure he's, he's tired of that, that constant onslaught against him. But what is their fate? Well, he says it pretty clearly here. They will go down into the depths of the earth, into Sheol, into the place of darkness after death. In other words, they're, they'll be destroyed. They'll be remembered no more. Given over to the sword, a portion for jackals. And as we read all of this and we read through um, Psalm 64, I'm sorry, Psalm 63, and we think about his what he's been talking about, and then he goes this direction. Why, why does David take the time to mention this? I think it's because he, he knows and he sees that blessing and favor come to those who are righteous. He's talking about that a lot in Psalm 34, what we went into last time, all the benefits that come to the righteous. But those who disobey or even attack and come against the righteous, the, the opposite is true. The reverse is true. Curses and ultimately death come to those who stand in the way and oppose oppose the, the path of God's anointed, of, of the righteous one. For us here, you got to pull this all into our context, from David's context of what he's writing and what he's saying. And we do this every time we look at Scripture because it had a, it had a meaning and it had a point that it was making at the time it was written. But how is it still alive and active and applicable to us today? Well, I think it's a take heart moment to say that God deals with the enemy. That's kind of a sub point of this third point to say God deals with the enemy. That's not up to us. It's ultimately up to him. We see from David's life, he allowed God to direct the course of Saul's life to his eventual demise. And David could have stepped in. He could have taken the plans into his own hands. He, he had the opportunities to, to off Saul. He, he was basically 
right in Saul's presence without Saul knowing it, where he could have ended Saul's life. And he could have from there said, Hey, I'm the king now. It's, it's my time. I've, I've taken this man out. I'm the rightful king. But he allowed justice and vengeance to be the Lord's. And so from the sub point of saying God deals with the enemy, we also have to say, let God then be the judge. Let God be the one who administers justice and wrath and vengeance. Because as it says, uh, vengeance is mine, the save the Lord. That is his job. And as much as we want to step in and do his job and take a little bit of that vengeance on our own, we have to allow God to do it. So there's a lot to unpack this time in just a few short verses. Psalm 63, um, you you should read it again and uh, underline some things, maybe draw out some things that speak to you, um, even with what we've talked about here. But it's really a passage that I find sh- uh, should cause us to go deeper, it urge us to go deeper and trust and love for God. Because the Lord loves us deeply. And nowhere is this more readily displayed than, than at the cross. That Jesus' sacrifice, although it wasn't seen in David's time, was a reason for praise and a, a longing for his presence. My soul will be satisfied. Our souls are satisfied within the Lord and within the acknowledgement of Jesus as Savior. This is what David was after, and this is what we must be after as well, knowing There's nothing else in this life that can satisfy us or come close to fulfilling us as our Lord does. So as we finish out another episode, I hope again you're encouraged and uh, encouraged to keep going back into the text, examine the truth for yourself. How can we come to see our relationship with God in a similar fashion to what David knew and experienced firsthand? Because it still applies today and it is still for us here and now. Guys, be blessed. I can't wait to dive in again for our next installment of the Summer of Psalm series. As I leave you today, I hope your June is going great. Your summer is, is well, uh, or whenever you listen to this, that you're um, doing well. If there's any way I can pray for you, encourage you, um, uh, rejoice with you, grieve with you, uh, whatever, come alongside you. I'd love to, to hear from you. Um, best way to do that is my email info at DerekCharlesJohnson.com. Would love to connect with you. Leaving you with Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Be blessed today. Hey guys, this is Derek Charles Johnson. You have been listening to the As Bold as Lions podcast. I am a blogger, a songwriter, an artist. And if you've been encouraged by this podcast, please go ahead and subscribe and share and head over to DerekCharlesJohnson.com for more encouraging content. God bless.